What the world needs now is to hear more from middle-aged white men like me. I can feel it in my bones. I just reckon that my time has really come. So when a friend of mine, who is not a white middle-aged man, asked me to be the interlocutor on a series that examines a really important subject that has almost nothing to do with me, I naturally jumped at the chance. I mean, what more could I want than to stick my bib in where it wasn't needed on another subject that had nothing to do with me? My name is Nick, and I'm going to be the devil's advocate for a project that we're going to call Vanator. Luna is my co-conspirator, but the more equal among equals. She's the one actually doing the stuff that we're going to be talking about. I'm just picking holes in it because, you know, as a rationalist, it's kind of what I do. Welcome to your own show, Luna. And I've done the Darwinian thing and, and had a child with two, well, no, how does this work? Two, I've had, my children have different fathers is what I'm trying to say. Mm, I've the- made sure to... Spread the spread, spread my spread eggs. The, I was going to say spread the love, but that was the wrong. <laughs> that, yeah, and spread my eggs doesn't sound good at all. No, it actually it just sounds like I need some smashed avo with it as well. I, anyway, move along. Nothing to see here. When you come back, can I have a flat white, please? <laughs> the problem with uh, all of this conjecture about where it's all going to go is the predictability of things. I used to work with a bloke who rejoiced in the ti- the working title of a futurologist. I thought that was wonderful. I I've mean, always wanted to be one of those. So have I. And uh, But I would have just uh, paired it back to, I guess, shit. Uh, and he wasn't even particularly good. I mean, he worked in a very, very niche, niche and um, he got less than 30% right. But, God, he had some fun. It was sort of like a, a roving editor's commission. He just got to travel around the world and look at stuff and go, hmm, good, hmm, bad. Yeah, look, I think as you get older, it gets easier to predict future outcomes based on past ones, although technology is always changing. It's, it's funny, isn't it, because there are some big gross patterns where you can just go, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Yes. But, there is, but there's some minutiae that I'm genuinely surprised at. So, for instance, I have done a good proportion of my working life without the internet. For instance, as I was finishing up broadcasting, we were still getting teletext and still getting faxes by way of keeping newsrooms up to date, um, which just sounds like a marvellous anachronism to me now. There were only two working... When I first started in radio, there were only two working screens within the studio, and now a studio is nothing but screen. It's just... It looks like a, a you know Starship Enterprise on any decent sized broadcasting studio. Just the the rate at which information is disseminated and ruined now is something that I would not have ever have predicted. I, I guess the biggest change in my life is how so much information is so unmediated. Because when I started work, some of the people that I I held in regard were sort of the gatekeepers of good information. They were scientists, they were editors, they were people of public trust, they were people who kept the pool clean and you could sort of uh, trust the information source and also at least be aware of the bias and where it was coming from. But now it is so manipulated that uh, I find that muddle out there almost an understandable reason for why people are behaving so crazily. Yeah, but then it also provides opportunities, like for us. It's far more egalitarian. But then again, I do wonder about uh, the qualities and the need for egalitarian when a lot of the output is 
shite. What do you suggest? All right, we're going to nuke it all from orbit, and we're going to, just to be sure, and we're going to start again. That's it. Well, That's my final offer. Isn't isn't there a chance there's a solar flare and like the whole lot gets knocked out? That happens in the movie, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. That, do, that does thing. that that does happen. And another one that has me worried, and no one talks about it, is the polar switch between north and south, which does happen. And as it makes the switch, uh, the Earth has no magnetosphere and just gets hit with everything that is floating around outside. Um, you know, particularly coming in from the sun. When does and, this happen? It do, it happens every you know few million years. Oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to worry about. It. <laughs> it's okay. just that it always gives signs before it does it, and it's starting to give signs. Now there's big there's hot disagreement about whether it does a sudden flip, you know, like on Thursday, or whether it does it over the next ten thousand years. It's a very, very tough thing to measure, apparently, because you have to look at layers of Earth, obviously, for your geological sample, and you have to look at which way the the iron filings, <laughs> if, if, if I, I could I be so dumb. Say, don't you just get your magnet out, your compass? But it doesn't. It only tells you now. It doesn't tell you the past. And so they've seen these flips in the geological record where north has become south and south has become north. So that's the, how they know it even happens. It's always been north equals north during, whilst humans have been able to measure it. But it moves, and it's moving more recently than it ever has before. Interesting. And the way you say that tells me it's exactly not. Oh, it is interesting. I was thinking about the water in the toilet. You know, will we be able to tell because it'll sort of go? That's not, that's not a magnetic effect. That's a Coriolis effect, which has got to do with the way oh, the, Earth... the Earth's spinning. Oh. Yeah, they're spinning. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to just watch my compass a bit closer. Yeah. Well, see, there's another thing. Who thought that compasses would be so outdated? You could, you'd be carrying a phone. I learned how to read a compass as a child. How ridiculous. I can actually hit a typewriter hard enough to use an old manual Olympus travelling typewriter. Do you know what that looks like to someone else working on the in the, in the cubicle next to me? It looks like a caveman attacking <laughs> a, a small piano. Yeah, I've worked next to it, well, in an open plan, actually a wall away from someone who typed in that fashion. I stole a typewriter from a, a large company when I was in my teens. Not so much stole as just <laughs> made it disappear for a while. The crime, Nick, the crime. Well, the, made it disappear for a while and no one noticed and I was pretty certain that no one was ever going to use it, partly Did because you give it... it back? No, no, no. It was a, it was a, a one and a half tonne. It wasn't one and a half tons. Maybe it was one ton. It was a golf ball Olympus typewriter. It was so enormously heavy that even as a fit young man, I used to have difficulty with it. But it, the bigger difficulty was you put it on a table and anything less than a marble top table used for carving headstones wasn't enough to stop this thing building up sympathetic rhythm so that it would actually walk across the table. You'd have to sort of chase it because it would set up vibrations uh, much in the same way that English soldiers have to break step when they cross bridges so they don't go, go into break harmonics. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So this thing would do it all by itself and you'd, you'd have, to have to kind of break step type. It was a magnificent machine and uh, I actually had to stop using it simply because you couldn't buy ribbons for it anymore. But then, of course, there was the challenge of getting rid of it. I like to think someone's out there driving it around right now. It was, it was built in a way that they don't build things anymore. 
he said, reminiscing. Yes. It would have been worth it for a scrap metal, probably, unfortunately. Yeah, or, or used as a base for a trebuchet. Or yeah. to hold down an umbrella at a cafe. That would be really <laughs> trendy, right? Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. Look at you. That's actually marketable. There I was thinking trebuchets, and you're, and you're thinking cafes. I mean, that's, that's why you earn the big bucks, lady, and I'm sitting here in a cupboard in space. No, I I just haven't been to a cafe for quite a long time, so I'm reminiscing about the umbrellas and sitting outside. Mm, in, in, in cafe society. Uh, yeah, not that I used to go very often, but I did go more than none. Yeah. I can't really get coffees in Newcastle. They um they don't really understand how to make coffee in Newcastle. The the biggest problem is that when you find someone who's willing to work and own up to actually knowing how to use a coffee machine they make your order one at a time but of course several other people have got in ahead of you and I've actually leaned into a bloke about my age and said because you're next to a train station if you just start making flat whites you are probably going to sell most of them you know if you just start making them uh, you're going to maybe throw away one or two that are cold but we all know what the markup on a flat white is you know so why don't you turn over four times as much and you'll be able to throw away the two or three extras that you've made. Just keep the machine humming along. You, you would have thought that I'd suggested quantum mechanics to him. But the, by the way, he, he looked at me in disbelief. It was, it was really upsetting to realise that I will never, ever get a coffee here in less than 20 minutes. And as someone who's a tea drinker accompanying a coffee drinker, it's extremely annoying it really is i don't the best word yeah i don't i actually i don't walk around with a coffee i don't go out to get a coffee i don't need to it's not important i don't spill coffee all over the inside of my car for that reason i don't have to permanently have one hand not working so i can't carry everything i need to because i've got the coffee i'm looking at someone in particular Uh, not not you not you luna no that's fine no my husband goes out to get his special coffee because it's a walk and you stand in the fresh air while you wait the 20 minutes for it to be made. You're still waiting 20 minutes in, in the cosmopolitan Melbourne. I would have thought that you were having them almost thrown at you by, by willing baristas. I live in a suburb where everyone wants their bespoke coffee and flat whites all round is not what's going on. It's, yeah. it's almond, soy, decaf. Half-calf, double decaf with a twist yeah. of lemon. That's right. How annoying. Yeah. This is my story. It is not medical advice. If you can relate to any of the issues I am talking about and you're unable to take care of them yourself, please seek professional help. That's what I've done for the last 20 odd years. I once said to Beloved, this is a true story. I was driving her car and I said, what, what's that on the on the screen there? She said, "Oh, I think that's yogurt." And, and, and I said, "Well, that's revolting." Um, what's that there on the window? Oh, I think that's sunscreen. That smear there, right, right. And what's in the vents here? Oh, that's chocolate, <laughs> right. And what and what's this all over the center console? Oh, that's the coffee from Friday. But that that big spill over there, that's that's the coffee from the Thursday before. And I said, I am seriously getting tetanus just looking at all of this. This is the most revolting interior of a car I've ever seen. She said, I'll stop carrying on. And as she said, I'll stop carrying on, I put my foot on the brake 
and a potato that was growing rolled out from underneath the passenger seat uh, and hit her in the foot. And she went, ah, oh, God damn it. And I, all I had to do was point. Sorry, it's going to take me a minute just to say. Okay. You're allowed to laugh. I see. I was quite amused by by it when it all happened. I like to think that that retelling actually stood up to scrutiny. And there you are, you're choking on a sock. Yes. Yeah. That's. I'm just imagining your car. I, I thought children did the most damage to cars. Oh no! Emergency contact is a nightmare. Uh, I'm talking of geological samples. You could go back to the Pleistocene epoch in some of her vehicles. They've just been appalling. To, to the listener, I don't quite know what's happened to Luna. She's now looking off to the side. It looks like she's looking out a window at birds <laughs> passing by. I'm just trying to avoid snorting on. That's oh, good. Yeah. And, and, and talking of yogurt, I made a yogurt and peanut butter sandwich today. On purpose? I, yes. And, and my family were mocking me for it. Yeah, can I get in on that? Do I have to line up or can I just do it now? How do you, sorry, I just want to get to a structural element before we get to a flavour one. How do you get it to stay in? Well, that was a difficulty and often I'm quite good with it. You don't put much yoghurt in is the solution. Like it's, a, it's like butter. When you say not much yoghurt, like, like none, <laughs> is that a good way to have a yoghurt and peanut butter no, sandwich? No, uh, it it's just adds a little fluff and taste and it's nice. It's like you have your jam and cream on, cream on your scone. Yeah. I have... Unfortunately, you're making sense. Blood orange, yogurt and peanut butter. Okay. I don't like peanut butter, so that last bit sounds horrible to me. But what you're saying overall, unfortunately, does make sense. But, okay, so your, your, your family are, unsurprisingly, standing around mocking. Yes, and I managed to spill yogurt all over my shirt and my leggings what just from just the sheer force of their disdain um laughing whilst uh, holding oh. a yogurt sandwich oh okay yeah see that now when you say it again and i got into trouble because i was laughing while i was holding a yogurt sandwich does really sound proper bonkers and yogurt sandwich, I bet if you looked that up on Urban Dictionary, it would not be something good. Oh, God. Oh, God. And it would rhyme with hush. But also, if you were to if I look it up in sort of an Australian dictionary, it would be preceded by the phrase, as useful as an ashtray on a motorbike, uh, a marzipan dildo, a yogurt sandwich, you know. It's... Um, yeah, I think you've just introduced something new and useful to to the Australian vernacular, Luna. And, and yogurt you know. and peanut butter sandwich, high in protein, tasty, low, low incense. <laughs> low fat. It's got less fat than butter. Okay. Sometimes, look, you're in very good nick. Uh, I understand. I can tell. I can only see your neck, but you know, you're not. You're a person of the correct weight. Do you have to worry about? No, butter? No, and I eat butter. I had butter on raisin toast. So, oh, hello. <laughs> so I could started... put yogurt on my raisin toast, but I just don't think the flavour. Oh, the, that would be crazy. The citrus <laughs> on the raisin toast. Or is yeah. it sultana bread here? I've got oh, my countries when, mixed when... up, haven't I? I have to call it sultana bread here. When will the madness end? I mean, a yogurt sandwich, perfectly sensible. Yogurt on raisin toast. My God. 
Right, hey, sorry. I was gonna I was gonna tell you that I went to see Billy Graham when I was young. I thought you might like that. You didn't. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't make something like that up. Who on was that one during one of your mother's more crazy uh, moments with you know, uh, brushes with spirituality? Do you do you want to rephrase it? <laughs> um, was that during one of your mother's more insane brushes with? <laughs> mother listens to this. My mother was. Hello, very- love. How are you doing? Hey, it's Luna. I still have not set up any sponsors. Uh, If you know anyone who might want to sponsor this, uh, please contact us on speak at vanator.com. That's S-P-E-A-K at V-A-N-I-T-A-W dot com. Speak and we will listen. My mother was very Christian for a while. That's right. They did go door to door, but they weren't Mormons. They were Presbyterians. Oh, well, that's much better. I don't know what it is. I've never had a Presbyterian come to my door, but I assume it's not quite the same as a Mormon. One thing I do know about Presbyterians is the uh, propensity to bring their children up with great violence. I did not experience that. Mm. No, I think you probably did all right. If they interpret the Presbyterian handbook correctly, it's a pretty harsh upbringing. Okay. I I only went to church until I was 10 when I was given the choice of attending or staying home but not watching television. How was that going to be enforced? Well, they couldn't enforce it, could they? So why didn't you say, yeah, sure, I'll stay home. No, haven't seen a thing. No. That's exactly what I did. And I watched some awesome movies like The Black Widow, Killer Bees, Poseidon Adventure, dating myself a bit here, but then we already know I'm old. Uh, and, I, yeah, I never said a word. Oh, good. You see, religion was worth something. Gave you time to experience quality time in an upside-down ocean liner with Ernest Borgnine. There you go, showing my age, knowing exactly what you're talking about. The Black Widow was an awesome film. It was about this woman who was a black widow spider who ate her partners, yeah, but yeah. not really suitable for a 10-year-old probably. You did arrive to our shores a, a dark little person, and I don't I don't think that that would have helped, but, you know, you, you've been able to sort of tread the straight and narrow since then. You certainly haven't stolen any Olympus typewriters that I can think of. No, I did, I did not return my copy of Brave New World to high oh, school. That's... Now, listen, you're the person to do the maths. What's your late fee? It was part of a class set and it was very badly beaten when I got it. No, what's your late fee? I want you to go back there with your book and go, look, I want to pay the fine on this and make them do the maths. Yeah, it's year 10, but it would still be on the curriculum even, so it's still good. Quite. That's why they're they're waiting for it. That's what all those rude letters are that you've been ignoring. It's not alimony. They didn't know about it until this moment because I was a very innocent person. They would never assume that I did that. No, no, quite right. So got a dirty copy of Aldous Huxley hanging around the house. Yeah, but it's my copy that I've held on to since I was 15. Oh, fine. Brave New World, find us keepers. Well, wouldn't I have title over it by now? It probably was only in circulation for three or four years before. I, I don't think squatters' rights. I don't think squatters' rights work on a book. I think, <laughs> I think. I think. If anything, it's probably the statute of limitations. You've got away with it. Yes. Okay. So, and, and the book, if I looked on the back, is probably only worth 
five dollars ninety five at the that's time. That's not the point. You've deprived other children of being able to read it. The psychological I, damage that you have caused is absolutely unmeasurable. Even though I attended a public school, I believe they would have had the funds to replace that book. See, taking away from someone's badly needed school lunch. When I'm really rich, I will repay them for that book. I want better than that. I want you to bequeath a whole new wing of a library, but stocked with nothing but uh, copies of Brave New World. Well, just give each student a copy of Brave New World. The Lunar Sea Memorial Brave New Wing. Yes, that sounds awesome. (laughs) When I make millions of dollars, I'll bequeath some to my high school. Yeah. So that can be done. I didn't finish telling you about Billy Graham. Go. Mum took us along. Billy Graham did his big charismatic thing up the front. It was a huge, must have been tens of thousands of people. And at the end, they called for children who were interested to go up the front. Even though I had no intention of doing so, I did. The, the magnetism of the situation was such that I could not resist. So you got swept up in a charismatic thing and you got a little bit high, did you? Yes. Yeah, this is how they do it. And and then I signed up for a course that I completed over the next couple of months to be a a junior crusader or something. Oh, my God. And I mean that. (laughs) That is hilarious. I thought you'd like it. That is, sorry, I'm slightly gobsmacked. And do you know what? I think that I had repressed that memory. I think I knew that. I don't recall telling very many people about this at all. I think it was your mum. Oh, yes. Mum did tell people for years afterwards. And I was always like, mum, please. God, you're so uncool. At a new new level of uncool. No. (laughs) It's bad enough you told your best friend when I got my period, but telling people that I became a junior crusader, that's just really embarrassing. It's, it's totally out there, man. Uh, and, and here's the funny thing for listener. Luna's mum is an enormously intelligent person in a lot of ways, but I have always maintained a really, really harsh line with people who remain religionists that you really can't be that smart if you're falling for it. She's not a religious anymore. She's the one who taught herself ancient Greek so that she could read original Bible texts. See, smart and worked her way out of it. But if you stay that way, got no time. Talking of no time, Luna, look, we've been at it for this long. So, wow. Hey, good luck yeah. this week with your benzos. Thank and, you. Oh, and good luck to your family. I'll speak to you soon. Good luck to you too. I'll speak soon. Bye. Thank you.